The Tulane Executive MBA program has given me the business acumen to perfectly complement my technical expertise, creating limitless career opportunities. I'm Claude Davis, principal scientist and official spokesperson for Zatarans. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. And by Shorten Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas. And by Orange Theory Fitness, delivering fitness results for a healthier world. From Commander's Palace Restaurant in the Garden District in New Orleans, we're out to lunch with Peter Raschuti. Peter Raschuti is Tulane University's A.B. Freeman School of Business professor and director of the award-winning Birkenrode Reports. It's business, New Orleans style. Hi, I'm Peter Raschuti. Welcome to Out to Lunch. Across the country, there are a range of radio shows and podcasts about business, and there are a number of shows about food. Most of the shows come out of large metropolitan areas you'd expect on the West Coast and East Coast. There are very few smaller cities in the U.S. that could sustain these shows. Here in New Orleans, not only do we have a very popular and long-running food show and this show about business, but we could also produce a third show about the food business. We could devote the first episode of this new show to the people sitting across the table from me today, my lunch guests, Shia Conrad and Robert Wolf. Shia is the owner of Bywater Bakery. The bakery has been a culinary and commercial success from the day it opened its doors in 2017. Before opening Bywater Bakery, Shia was the bakery director for all 54 Rouse's supermarkets. She's also been the bakery director of the Whole Foods Uptown. Shia Conrad, welcome to Out to Lunch. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Robert Wolf is the founder and owner of a food company called Dip Me Snacks. Robert made his first sour cream sauce when he was a kid. Because of the popularity of that creation, Robert came to be known in his family as the snack hero. Robert took a detour into journalism and IT before coming back to the snack business in 2016. Today, Robert's all-natural sour cream dips come in four flavors. They're available in Louisiana, Alabama, and Mississippi, including at all of the Louisiana Whole Foods stores. Robert Wolf, welcome out to lunch. Thank you, Peter. It's a delight to be here. Shia, at Bywater Bakery, you serve breakfast, brunch, lunch, and coffee. But I think it would be fair to say you're best known for your cakes. Cake has always been popular, so much so that we associate it with special occasions in our lives. Birthday cake, wedding cake, fruit cake, or Christmas. But it's only recently that cake has become an even bigger part of our lives. I googled baking shows and got over 30 current TV and on-demand shows about baking cakes. From Cake Boss to Nailed It. With all the attention on cakes and with supermarkets using their bakeries as a way to attract customers, I'm wondering how proprietary cake recipes are. For example, Whole Foods makes a Chantilly cake and you make a Chantilly cake. Is one Chantilly cake the same as the another? Or, or do you, can, can you copyright a cake recipe? You, there is no intellectual property on, on recipes. So um, I actually wrote the recipe for Whole Foods. Oh. So, um, and then I brought that to Rouse's. So, I've had my hand in all that cake. <laughs> um, and it is the same recipe. The, for Whole Foods and, and Rouse's, the difference is the actual cake. Um, for Rouse's, we used almond cake because it's so popular here. And then Whole Foods has a, a 
yellow cake. And then so yours? I, I stuck with the almond because ah. I love it. Yeah. But you can taste it and yours tastes better, right? I think so. That's right. Of course. So I'm not going <laughs> to let you get away with that. <laughs> they, uh, so you must have, in those previous jobs, you must have learned about a lot about business and and just confronted a lot of problems, right, that you, you might now face now, but you're maybe not afraid. Yeah, I think that's a big part of making the leap to my own business. You know, um, when you have 54 stores, you've encountered every problem that can arise, from equipment to personnel to, you know, anything that can go wrong has at some point gone wrong. So I've got, I've got a lot of practice in fixing problems. Um, and so I'm a lot less intimidated when something goes wrong at the shop now. I'm like, okay. Let that roll off my back. Let's fix it. Robert, dip seems to be typically a social dish. I might eat lunch by myself, and I would certainly buy a bag of chips for myself. But when I think about dipping those chips in dip, it seems like something most of us do when there's a group of people. Is that, in fact, true? And do you create and market dip-me snacks as a party food? Or do you think of it as a solitary pursuit, the way I think about having a sandwich for lunch at my desk? Well, you, you kind of nailed it in both directions because it is definitely a social product. You buy a dip, you take it to a, a football game or a, a Mardi Gras party, and everybody enjoys it. You know, you take some chips, some carrots, or whatever, and make the most of it. But what I'm finding with my product is a lot of people are using it as a secondary ingredient. Like, take, for instance, the French onion. A lot of people are using it as a replacement for mayonnaise. It's not as fattening. It's uh, got a lot more protein in it, and um, it's got a great flavor. So take the Creole herb, for instance. People use it as a base for shrimp salad. You boil shrimp, you add some carrot or a little onion or whatever, and then you add a, a dollop or two of our Creole herb. Gives it a nice herby flavor. It's not too mayonnaise-y. It's not greasy. It's, so I'm finding a little bit of each. You know, People do take it to parties, but it's, it's become an ingredient as well. Now, I, I'm thinking about sourcing, and I want to start with Robert. You need dairy products, and uh, I don't think of Louisiana as a dairy state. Uh, can you still source it locally? I do. Um, we are definitely not a dairy state. There's maybe a couple hundred dairy farms in the entire state, and just about all of them are in Tangipahoe Parish, and they're all tiny. Um, the, I get my cream from Kleinpeter Farms. They are probably the largest local dairy within the state. All their cows live outside of Baton Rouge, so it's fairly local, and uh, it's a, a really well-done, high-end kind of dairy farm where the cows have like a, an air-conditioned barn. Oh, these are you happy know. cows. These are very happy cows. You know why and they're particularly happy? Because they're dairy cows and not meat cows. Yeah. They, they, that would be what... They're treated come. pretty lovely here. They've got a, a wonderful indoor misting barn and such. You know, if you're baking cakes all day, Shad, uh, uh, do you then want to not eat cakes? Oh, no, I still eat cake. <laughs> cake is great for breakfast. <laughs> I, I would assume, since you're so popular down there, and, and I commend you for a bunch of things, but one is you've really got yourself in that community. I mean, you've got music sometimes. You've, you've got uh, local art on the walls and all, all that. Uh, when I, which kind of leads me to my next question is people probably ask you, open another store somewhere. All the time. <laughs> and what do you say and why? Um, so I don't want to do another footprint. I want to stick with just the shop that we have. Um, so that's not the avenue that I want to grow. I really, it's, I want to keep that authenticity. I don't think that we could replicate what's special about Bywater Bakery in another shop. You know, we are a community hub. We do have you know, John Cleary will come and just sit on the piano for, <laughs> for a few minutes, you know, because he lives down the street. And that kind of thing, I mean, it's just magic. 
it's a blessing, and I don't think that we could make that happen again. So if you do think of scale or growth, what avenue would it take other than a wholesale. store? Wholesale. And that would be moving your product, uh, I guess, with a with a third party into grocery stores? Yeah, that's an option, certainly. And yeah. uh, one of the reasons I'm asking about <laughs> that is you are adamant about... <laughs> You're a very nice person, by the way. But you're very <laughs> adamant about not shipping king cakes. Oh, yeah. No, I don't ship king cakes. <laughs> and is that because you're worried about the, the quality? Or? Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's hard to ship king cakes. One of the things, we make all our own fillings from scratch. A lot of our st- fillings have to be refrigerated. There is only a few items that are shelf-stable. Um, so that's an dr- immediate drawback for shipping. Um, and then also, it just they don't get there very well. You know, so there's a lot of there's a lot of hassle involved with shipping. I I got all the shipping out of my system when I worked for Rouse's. <laughs> Robert, if you uh, you've been kind of at it since you were very very young, um, what is what what actually helped push you over the top? Because I I know you'd mentioned LSU. What did they do for you? I guess LSU Ag was was it. Yeah, the LSU Ag Center is really the reason I, my product exists. Um, they have a, a food incubator program that is, is fantastic. Um, essentially, they've helped me take my idea of, of delicious sour cream dips that I've been making for years and help me produce it in a shelf-stable way that's as clean and natural and fresh as it could be. Um, I had never made sour cream before. I've certainly flavored sour cream, but never made sour cream from scratch. And uh, the folks at the LSU Creamery helped me figure out or helped me develop a sour cream recipe just to build a nice base for all my dips. I wanted something that was creamy and soft, but not too tart, not too sour. And um, I wanted to use as many local organic type ingredients as I could. Maybe not organic, but fresh and local. And, um, and they helped me put it together. And I don't think I could have done it without them. And you, you two have another thing in common is you both... I guess every business in the food business must start like this, but you had to buy equipment in the beginning, and that's got to be really expensive. Which, how did you two face it? What did you do? I mean, did you did you put out a ton of money, or did you find a way to just get in business in the beginning? I, I worked at Commanders for a while to save money and just put away some extra cash to, to buy a pasteurizer. Essentially, I had to buy a 45-gallon pasteurizer to, to make my product, and um, it's not cheap, and I had to put together, you know, some save some money up to do it, so... Basically, I, once I formulated a plan, I got to work and made the money. And wh- what about yourself? Um, so we bought everything used. Okay, all the that's got to save quite a bit of That saved a lot of money up front. Of course, now it's all going out, and I have to replace it all. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, but at least it got us open, you know, because that is one of the biggest expenses. Um, the good news is there's a lot of equipment on the market that's, you know, easy to pick up. If you're so you might go uh, used again, but maybe less used? I'm trying to go less used, and oftentimes now even new. So that says a lot about, you know, two and a half years in, we're able to buy. We just put walk-ins in. It's very exciting. Absolutely. That's something to celebrate. <laughs> yes, it truly it is. is. <laughs> yes, it I is. Totally it's so exciting. It. Trust me. <laughs> yeah. Robert, uh, you do not put a lot of faith in... Uh, social media you um, not saying you're a luddite or uh, but you're kind of old school what do you do what what do you think does work for you uh, standing in a store and putting the dip in people's mouths that works better than <laughs> now, anything else a voluntary right? yeah, yeah okay, some people ask to be fed some people feed themselves <laughs> but essentially store demos once they taste it they get it till then it's you know I, 
I hate to sound like a, a Luddite with social yeah. media, but um, I'm not sure that if somebody looks at a Facebook post or an Instagram post that they get in their car and they drive to the store and purchase my product. You know, I, I, I'm not sure where the, you know, something like a Bywater Bakery, I could see that being a little bit more of a community building type situation. I'm not sure with a retail product. I mean, the jury's still out on that for me. Well, I found you at, at Whole Food and you, and I was, one of the things I was impressed about is it was you. You know, absolutely, like absolutely, so. and I enjoy meeting the customers and having people come by and tell me I'm a fan of your product. And I mean, that really makes my day. I mean, this is insanely hard, and to have a fan or two or a couple of hundred, <laughs> right on. <laughs> and Shia, you um, first of all, you're in the hippest part of our city. So, do you do you use a lot of social media? Um, so yeah, social media has been very important for us. And I was just like you, Robert. I did not understand the value of social media when I opened the business. I really didn't. I was like, you know, we put up a Facebook page and somebody told me I had to get on Instagram. We have a great Instagram following and it works. You put something on Instagram and they're coming in for it. It's amazing. <laughs> I'm not coming in just for music. <laughs> You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Peter Raschuti. I'm talking with Robert Wolf from Dip Me Snacks and Chaya Conrad from Bywater Bakery. We'll be right back after this very brief break. You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Peter Raschuti. I'm talking with Shia Conrad from Bywater Bakery and Robert Wolf from Dip Me Snacks. Shia, what is the nightmare scenario for your business? Oh, <laughs> uh, everything breaks at once and your staff is calling out and uh, a wedding cake didn't get delivered. And, <laughs> and, and I would think things like that just do happen to all New Orleanians, like, uh, you know, the power goes out or we have a... Uh, our weekly boiled water advisory thing, that would totally tangle you up, right? Oh, yeah, it totally does. But, I mean, that's part of doing business in, in New Orleans now. I'm not alone. We are all dealing with the same thing at the same time. But I just have to go get bottled water. You have to probably shut down the operation, right? Yes. Yeah, I mean, we have to scale it back. Now, Robert, you now are in the uh, all the Whole Foods in Louisiana. How did that happen? I mean, that's in some way, that's that's a dream, right? Because... Shelf space has got to be the most competitive thing out there. It truly is, and I'm asking for refrigerated shelf space. So it's at a triple premium. Um, I basically went to the Whole Foods uptown and handed them my product and said, I think I should be in your store. And they took my product and called me back in a couple weeks and said, we'd like to have you in our store. And um, they've been fantastic. They've treated me very well, and it's been a a whole new customer base that uh, I had not touched before. And since shelf space is so difficult... What's the other avenue for growth for you? It would definitely be in the food service re- wholesale type market. Um, we're in uh, a couple of hotels and some restaurants as appetizers and sides. You know, they serve us as a, a side on, like for instance, our Creole herb is served as a tartar replacement in a couple of a uh, couple of restaurants that don't want to serve old school tartar sauce. And uh, we have a couple of hotels in town that serve a chip and dip combination, and our our dip is the is the featured dip. Shai, what's it like managing people in a bakery? Um, you know, obviously it's early early morning. It's it's a lot of work. It's actually, I would imagine, kind of physical. Yeah, definitely. Lots of coffee. Lots of coffee. How do you know you've got the right people? And do they, what about retention, for instance? Um, well, it's, it's, retention can be hard, especially when you're starting out. You know, um, people don't know if they can take a risk and come work for you because they you know, aren't sure you're going to stay in business. Right, so a lot of the, um, a lot of people with d- deeper skill sets 
will often wait a little while before they come work for you. Um, and so that's real. And so uh, that was probably one of the hardest things, getting open and getting stable, was getting some staff in there that um, you know you can count on and trust and are going to do the things that you want them to do, do it the way you want it, and you know keep your vision and your standards up. But um, we're, we're, I've got a great team now. It's great. Am I right, Shia, that uh, um, the bakery business is probably not a big, big margin? No, it's a very slim margin. <laughs> uh, retail's a little bit better than, than it was in grocery, so that's nice. Um, I got a little bit more to work with than so I did for most of my career. So starting career. at a very low margin business was, <laughs> it was helpful. It was helpful, yeah, <laughs> definitely. Um, it's a different perspective. I think a lot of people come from restaurants, and um, that definitely has a larger margin, believe it or not, than grocery. Um, so... You know, you can tell people different perspectives when they open a, a business, whether they're coming from the restaurant business or, or a more traditional retail business. Um, and bakeries kind of both, you know. Robert, I, I, you know, I'm having trouble visualizing um, what your operation looks like. Is like, what does a production line look for look like for sour cream? Oh man, it looks like something out of uh, a bad science fiction novel. Um, essentially, my, my pasteurizer looks like a giant washing machine, like a stainless steel washing machine. And you fill it with cream and it heats up to 180 degrees and it gets the cream nice and warm and basically kills the germs in it. And then I cool the cream down and, and add sour cream culture. So I basically take the cream, kill all the germs in it, and then add my own special germs. And my germs <laughs> give it a nice sour cream culture flavor. And are you the only guy on this line oh no no i have a really a really handy uh, production assistant I'm give a shout out to tim lewis somewhere out there and uh and then i have a handful of student workers that come through pretty regularly and and give me a hand but it's kind of a standard production line like you would picture with a packing machine and you know a, a, a unit comes out of it and you put it in a, a sleeve and then put it in a box and tape it up and roll it into a cooler so it's not uh, nothing really magical it's just it's got to be very clean and what, what do you think going forward do you think you'd have a like a bigger production facility in Louisiana? I would love to keep it here in Louisiana. I mean, the, the my options are one of two. I can have somebody somewhere else make my product and ship it to me. It's called a, a contract packer or a co-packer in the industry. That's not what I want because you, you give up so much at that point. You give up control of your recipe. You give up control of what exactly goes in it. It's just not, it's not your product anymore as much. It's somebody else making a product for you. What I would like to do is set up a small facility probably somewhere, you know, Tangipahoe Parish. Near the cows. Where all the cows are. <laughs> exactly. And uh, and then use local cream as best I can and support as, you know, use as much Louisiana as I can put in it. You know, I'm, my family's been here for, for many, many generations, and I want to stay here as well. So let's, you know, make it as Louisiana as we can. Shia, first of all, uh, so much has changed in New Orleans. Is it a better business community now than, for instance, when you were working for the larger operations? Well, it's definitely, um, it's a good time for me to open my business, right? So um, it's uh, definitely a time where I felt like I could be successful. Um, and before that, I was too nervous. <laughs> what about your market, Robert? You've, you've got um, grocery stores seem to be where you'd like to, um, you've, you've, had, you've had luck. And um, is it a good community for that? It's a fantastic community for that. Um, we are very fortunate here in Louisiana in that, particularly New Orleans, in that we have a, a whole network of small grocery stores owned by local independent folks. We've got the Robert family, we've got the Langensteins, Dornax, um, the Bromarts. You've got all the local guys who want to carry your product. They want you to be a success. 
And without those guys, I don't think I, I don't know if I'd be here. Because if I went and knocked on the door of Kroger, I don't think Kroger would take me. But the, the folks at Bromart had no problem taking my product and putting it on their shelf and featuring it and putting it on sale and advertising it. And it goes a long way. In addition to that, we have a lot of local distributors, which are the people who take your product to the store. And, you know, there's certainly the big guys, Cisco and all that, but the local guys are the ones who will get your, your product to these local niches and couldn't do it without them. In the rest of the country, this doesn't exist to this degree. And I'm extremely fortunate in that respect. Shai's nodding her head. Yeah, so I it's think we're true. In... It's really, um, that's a special part of Louisiana. Yeah, and the other thing is, it, that... is the customers, the fans. I mean, the people here who are loyal to a local product. We love ourselves. Absolutely. I'm the same way. I'm very, very, very loyal to things that are made here or people who take a stake in our community. And it's really helped me out, for sure. When you launch and run a business, you're usually in an area where you're the expert. You might have advisors or a an advisory board, but generally nobody knows your product better than you do. But when it comes to food, everybody's an expert. Everybody has to eat, and so you're literally in the business of trying to please everybody. We all know that's impossible, but Shia and Robert, you're getting pretty close. Uh, congratulations on all of your achievements to date. We look forward to keeping up with your continued success, and thank you both for joining me today on Out to Lunch. Thank you, Peter. Thank you so much. My guests on Out to Lunch today have been Shia Conrad, uh, owner of Bywater Bakery, and Robert Wolf, founder and owner of Dip Me Snacks. You can find out more about Shia's bakery and Robert's dips by following the links on our website. It's neworleans.com. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Merle. And our researcher is Maggie Mendel. You can listen to the show and to past episodes of Out to Lunch wherever you get podcasts, including Spotify. And you can find all of our podcasts at itsneworleans.com. If you want to know what we look like, you can find photos in this show on itsneworleans.com, It's New Orleans Out to Lunch Facebook page, and on Instagram. These photos were taken today by Jill LaFleur. You can find more of Jill's photos at lafleurphoto.com. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsneworleans.com and WWNO 89.9 FM. I'm Peter Raschuti. Thanks for joining me. I look forward to meeting you again next week around the table here at Commander's Palace for more business, New Orleans style, on Out to Lunch. Out to Lunch is recorded live over lunch at Commander's Palace in New Orleans. Commander's Palace serves lunch Monday to Friday, jazz brunch on Saturday and Sunday with live music, and dinner seven nights a week. Mitchell Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. You can hear Mitchell's music anywhere great jazz is sold or streamed and at MitchellForeman.com. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base, joneswalker.com, and by Shorten Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas, and by Basics Swim and Gym and Basics Underneath Fine Lingerie, the It's New Orleans Happy Hour podcast, and by Orange Theory Fitness, delivering fitness results for a healthier world.